with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. No, no, no. I I was no different than Brent as a D coordinator. In fact, there's a picture of Carla Kolak who came here from Florida uh, pulling me off the sidelines many years ahead of Brent. And she's tugging, she's tugging on my uh, headphones, pulling me off the sideline. And you become the head coach, and, you know, and there'll be times, and there were times I, I was. But I was much different than I was as a D coordinator, as a head coach. And Brent knows, listen, he knows how to handle himself. He'll be a great leader. He'll be a great head coach. And, and uh, yeah, too much is being made of that. I've told you before the stories of Coach Stoops from from guys like when I first showed up at OU was that um, and we remember Mike Stoops from the early 2000s. The, the stories were that Coach Bob Stoops was the exact same way whenever he was a defensive coordinator at Kansas State and at Florida. So... Um, he went from that to incredibly calm and calculated and under control on the sideline without much of a problem. Yeah. Except for, say, I don't know if you get a punt blocked on the road at Kansas State that leads to a <laughs> and touchdown they're all late fighting the game. over which one gets to just destroy you on yeah. the sideline over there. Or if you're Kenny Steele's against Texas Tech in 2010 and you jump up and you spike the ball between your legs, you get penalized for it, and Bob Stoops, you, know, you can't even get to the sideline before he starts chewing you out. But, yeah, for the Now, what part. was that? That was 2010? 2010, yeah, at home against Tech, Kenny Steele's caught a touchdown. I feel like it was early in the game. He jumped up and spiked it in the end zone, 15-yard penalty. And, I mean, nice. it was a great play. It was a touchdown. But, woo Bob got after him after that one. But I'm sure if you ask Kenny Steele's now, he'd say, yeah, worth it. No big deal. <laughs> right. It makes for a great story anyways, right? And that's all we're yeah. really after. Uh, we had our first game week press conference of the year today, and I would yeah. love to sit here for the next 20 minutes and tell you all the interesting nuggets that came out of the press conference today, but there wasn't 20 minutes of good info that came out of that thing. It, it was more of what we've, we've already heard, to be honest. Um, one thing that I did think was interesting is – he was out. He was asked about Justin Harrington specifically, and he said, "You know, I let him back on the team and didn't really expect much to happen." And bam, I mean, here he is. That wasn't a direct quote, but that's kind of basically what he said. And that's been one of the biggest stories of the off season is Justin Harrington's second chance and what he's done with it. And I didn't hear this, but I heard uh, at Plank Show talking about it. Did he say that Harrington's family wrote him a letter? Um, I'll, I'll go back and I'll try and find the audio so I don't like misquote him on that. But right. if so, that's that's pretty amazing. I I did have to yeah. laugh because the local media is just obsessed with that cheetah position. Man, they can't stop asking about it. And finally, it got to a point where Brent was like, "Does anyone else have any questions about the cheetah position? It, like anyone else?" Uh, anyone anyone else got any questions because people just 
can't stop asking about it. They're fascinated with it. Well, it's because the only reason is because it's named yes. something different. Hundred percent. It's nickel. It's nickel. It it's Sam linebacker or nickel. That's it. Okay. You you throw a weird name on something or a different name, and it it becomes like this. There's going to be all of these. You know these big featured articles and pieces written about the cheetah position, when all it is is the nickel. It's the same position that every single defense has had for, I don't know, the last I, I thirty know, years. But they acting like he like he created this out of thin air. This new position that the game of fo- it's going to revolutionize the game of football. This new position. We've seen it before. It's the same position. You've just you've just decided to put a a a different different style of body in in some of those roles than maybe um, some other teams do. In the NFL, everyone almost across the board puts a corner at nickel. Um in college, it's usually some type of hybrid defensive back body type. Um, you know, like when Deshaun White is playing Cheetah, he's playing Sam Linebacker. Sure. That's it. Yeah. It's Sam Linebacker. There's there's no difference. All you do is, you know, you're, you're to the strength, and if – Number two is displaced. Guess what? You're bumping out of the box. That is the exact same as nickel. Well, the reason it's the exact same as nickel is because if it's nickel, it's the exact same as Sam. It's just the position in the defense. And don't get me wrong. I'm excited about the cheetah position, especially the two guys that are going to play it this year. I mean, it's it's going to be be fun to watch. But, I mean, there's just an obsession with that thing that I've never seen before. It's pretty impressive. Well, it is. I mean, it it does kind of. I guess what I'm saying, whenever you name a position, like everything else in football, at least around here right now, is traditionally named, and then whenever you have a different name, all of a sudden it it draws some interest. You know, there's a lot of teams that that call like they're extra safety that comes in a spur or a they all got all these diff, weird different names for them the jack, but, I, I think the a&m was called was it called the jack when von miller was playing he was like that edge rusher basically but it, it, there's this yeah, those names uh, for different positions yeah that's you know that's your that's your just your stand-up guy on the edge i'm trying to remember what they called it Venables called it something whenever he first started running it here with Dan Cody. I just can't remember what it was called. I played at a couple of places that called it the Joker. I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't know. Um, it, it makes for an interesting story, I guess. You know, you've got to consider your yeah. your your audience or your the people that are consuming your your articles and what you're putting out there probably aren't all that well versed. So whenever they hear it, it probably is good to give it some background as to what's going on. Text there. line is cheetah. The old Roy Williams. Yeah, basically, cheetah. 
Uh, Zane, if by the old Roy Williams you mean nickel, yes. Zane says, I say we come up with an animal name for every defensive position and present them to Coach V. Like, defensive tackles can say they play the manatee. <laughs> well, is nose guard manatee or is your your D tackle manatee? There's two. Those are two I different think, positions. I think nose guard's got to be the manatee. I think that's who it has to be. Nose is the manatee. What's the other one? You've got um, the wildebeest. Is that the defensive tackle? That is actually a really cool name, wildebeest. Yeah. The Komodo dragon can be the edge rusher. Uh, Well, I think that one's too long. You can just call it the dragon maybe. Mm. What is – is there any animals that are – that operate in pairs that you could name both defensive ends? Operate in pairs. Um, I mean, wolves do, right? They operate in packs. I mean, you're asking for just like an animal that operates just solely in a in a pair and not in a pack? Yeah. Left tackle is water buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> water buffalo. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to work on that a little bit. We can probably come up with something. Yeah, D-tackle equals rhino. Some position needs to be the rhino, the raptor. Now now, now look what we've done. Now look what you did, Zane and Tulsa. we got people saying hyenas and raptors and every other animal name. Jackals, it's all over the place. Um, I There is a tool on ESPN right now that is like the playoff predictor. Who's going to make the college football playoff? Now, you get to pick... One of their, I think it's 16 favorites to make the college football playoff. We'll pick Oklahoma, all right? Um, which, by the way, this tool is already a little bit flawed for me because by each team that's listed, the top 16, there is a percentage chance that they make the playoff. So, for instance, Ohio, Ohio State's listed at 83%, Bama's at 79%, Georgia's at 74%. I struggle with this because OU is listed at 12% to make the playoff and Texas is listed at 13% to make the playoff. So I'm already struggling to give this thing any sort of credibility at all. But we'll still use it. So it asks, how does Oklahoma finish the remainder of the regular season? I'll let you do this. Wins out, one loss, or two losses? Which one are we picking? Um... Mm, one loss. One loss, okay. Which team does OU lose to? Now, it's only giving us the option of the three toughest opponents on the schedule, which are Texas, at Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. Out of those three, who's the one loss to? At Iowa State. Okay. Uh, does Oklahoma win its conference title game? Yes, no, didn't make it. Yes. Okay. Um, Oklahoma's playoff chances under that scenario are 80%. One loss OU, only lost to Iowa State, wins the Big 12, 80% chance to make the playoff, in case you're wondering. I think that's that's probably about right. Is there a chance it's higher than that? Um, Yeah, there's definitely a chance it's higher than that if Georgia is a two-loss team that didn't win the SEC. Yeah, well, yeah, 
I, I think one of the, uh, the the most important thing, Georgia is important, but I think less important than Notre Dame. Notre, yeah, I, I'm starting to feel pretty good, like probably a lot better than I should, that Georgia's not going to make the playoff this year. Maybe it's really? irresponsible of me of just cooking in that they're going to lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. It's like a foregone conclusion with me, and I think that they're going to lose elsewhere in the regular season, but... Yeah, I and that could be totally wrong. I just with with the championship hangover, um, having to play Bama in the SEC title game. I don't, I don't I don't think they're a playoff team this year. I think they'll be really good, but I think they'll be a two loss team. Yeah, two losses. There's we got no a, way they've got a tough little run. Yeah, they've got a tough little run at the end, right? Um, is it is it like the middle of their season or the end that I felt like they had a like a four or five game stretch that's pretty significant? I mean, they're better than all these teams, and I mean you could you should say that they'll probably beat all of those teams. It, yeah, it's they got Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Kentucky in a four game stretch there, starting at the end of October through um, you know middle late November. Which you know they're better than all those teams, but it's one of those stretches where it's not shocking that if you show up one day and don't have your best, one of those teams can knock you off. That's going to be the biggest scare. Like if Kentucky takes care of business before November nineteenth, that late in the year, that's going to be like the biggest Kentucky game in a long time. Especially if that game will decide the SEC East, and it's in Lexington. Oh my gosh, that'll be a massive game. Yeah. Yeah. That that will be man. That will be uh, a massive game. And doesn't I think Kentucky? Didn't we talk about their schedule? They've got a fairly yeah. They Miami Miami Ohio. They got at Florida in week two. That's a that's a that's a key game for them. If they can go to the swamp and win in week two, then they're pretty much set up. They'll they'll beat Youngstown State at home. They'll beat Northern Illinois at home. Then you got at Ole Miss, South Carolina at home, Mississippi State at home. That's a very manageable yeah. first half of the schedule. There's a decent chance Kentucky starts off what that seven and zero actually, not just six and zero. I would say that Kentucky is better than every team on their schedule except for Georgia. Whoa! What about now, your beloved Tennessee Vols? What, what a turn! Well, well, I think that you have to, you have to, after what they've done recently, they've got more um, cachet built up right now than Tennessee does. Like, I'm projecting Tennessee. Uh, you pretty much know what you're going to get with Kentucky. Yeah, you're going to you, get. Do you disagree with that? Um, well, what you mean by that is you're going to get a tough physical run game and pretty good defense. That's what you mean. And Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm saying, though, like, when you look at their schedule, I have them better than everyone on their schedule except for Georgia. Now, that doesn't mean they win all of those games, but, like, if you were just to ask me head-to-head against all of those teams, I would say that, you know, they've proven to be the better team recently, and they've got enough coming back this year where you can project they're going to be really good. Yeah. Well, people either think that Will Levis is awesome and going to be a first-round draft pick or he absolutely sucks and is massively overrated. But I guess that's the opinion of, you know, every single thing in college football now, isn't it? Even it's Either it's awesome or it's totally god-awful and sucks.
That's where Kentucky's quarterback is kind of right now for the season. Right. Yep. Uh, no doubt. All right. Hey, we got to hit a quick break, which, by the way, uh, I got a text here, and I think this is correct. Venables called Dan Cody a spinner. Right? Does that sound right to you? That's what text line, at least one person said that. So I'll, I'll yeah, go with that. that I think that's good. right. I think, think that's right. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. It is the rush live on the ref. There's UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel talking about OU. Uh, agree with everything there, or is he missing something about OU on Saturday? Um, I don't know. I think maybe he's missing something in there, but I I think that's a pretty good roundabout way characterizing what they may see out there should he um, have said they've got a uh, great freshman running back javante barnes who runs really well saw him in the spring game earlier this year did he miss that yeah yeah he should have just started uh should have just talked only about freshmen <laughs> that's it and we'd have had some of those fans out there like, oh, the yard knows everything about us he's talking about all the freshmen you're gonna see out there so Zane and Tulsa brought up the idea of position groups by names. Some of these I have to read. Some are inappropriate. Um, someone said defensive tackle is the Lizzo position, which is so messed up. <laughs> um, I've actually, I've actually got a really good list going here. I'm just looking for one more, and I've pretty much got it. What do you and it's so all far? done by, um, well, I, I say that it's not all the way done, but I'm most of the way done. Um, I've got, I've got them all done. They're all animals. I'm just waiting to finish a couple. Maybe I'll unveil those uh, in the next segment. But oh, okay. they're all animals, and they're all corresponding to the name of the position, like. Why exactly what the position is, is like how it's called. Like if it starts with an S, it's an animal name that starts with an S. Does that make sense? Yeah, just don't do the sharks in the secondary. We've had that before, and that didn't work out all that well. So if you have that, can you please scribble that out, please? Uh, yep, I'm going back to the drawing board. Okay. Is Levy going to be on the field or the booth, says the text line. We thought earlier he's going to be up in the booth. At least that's where he was last year at Ole Miss. I think so. I I think um, I, I think he's going to be in the booth. I feel like that was mentioned in the spring or right after he was hired, and he said that's kind of where he's always been and that's where he's pre- – he would prefer to be, but we'll have to kind of see how it all works out. And like that's where I would expect him to be right now. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what where he ends up. Um, I, I'm going to list I don't know around seven or eight teams if we can do this quickly enough. Just some some national contenders or some real interesting teams nationally. Let's try to keep this as relatively short as possible to get through as many teams as possible. But a short blurb on each squad. Let's start with Ohio State. Okay, quick little blurb on Ohio State. Their offense is going to be elite, 
perhaps the best in the country, um, quarterback, running back, skill position, um, they've been outstanding. Uh, and I think this year they're going to build on that a little bit. The question mark for Ohio State is defense. They've got tons of talent. Um, obviously, with, uh, with um, I'm drawing a blank, Tyler, defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State that they just Jim hired. Jim Knowles is who they hired. Thank you. With Knowles on the defensive side, like, I don't know. They've got a lot of talent there. They've got a ton of talent defensively. Can you expect a a huge swing in what they do defensively in year one? I, I don't know. Probably not. Statistically, especially whenever you, you see the way that they play offensively and how much they're going to score. So probably, probably going to have some improvement there, but uh, you know they're not going to all of a sudden turn into you know one of the the top defenses yeah. in the country there's statistically. N- there's no way that was a fun off season at Ohio State. They beat Michigan so many consecutive times before last year, but nobody cared about that this off season because Ryan Day, for the first time in a while, lost to Michigan. Surely there was some urgency around that building this off season and into training camp. Surely there's kind of the urgency like we've got to get back, we've got to beat these guys this time around, we've got a title shot here, let's go. Like I expect to see an Ohio State team that's really, really, really dialed in and focused from like this Saturday on, from early on in the season. They, uh, they understand what kind of opportunity they have here to, to win a national championship, or at least they should. Well, yeah, I agree, and I think that's one of the benefits of playing one of those premier non-conference games early in the season is you know in, in everyone listen you're always trying to come into the season on edge and you know attacking everything the exact same but it's just it's just natural that whenever you've got a like a top 10 top 5 matchup early in the season you know there there is that extra effort there to be ready right out of the gate so you, i i kind of agree USC USC Experimental. This is really the first time. Was it forty transfers? Experimental. You know, whenever you try and pull all of those different guys together from all kinds of different backgrounds and different football cultures, wherever they were, throw it into the mix and and see what you come up with. They've got talent. They brought in a lot of talent offensively, skill talent, quarterback talent. They've even brought in some offensive line. Now, I think offensive line is going to be a weakness for them. And, you know, picking up Lincoln's – Lincoln doesn't have like, – he may have an easy offense as far as how it's called and how it's designed as far as implementing it. But, you know, on the offensive line, there's some really difficult things in the running game that, you know, unless he changes some of that, he may. But I, I think there's a pretty big learning curve there. Um I expect their offense to be way better than it was a year ago, and their their schedule's so easy. They got a chance to win a bunch of games. Really going to struggle on defense, though. You really going to struggle on defense. You can't mention USC without saying, "Yeah, but their defense is so easy." The Pac-12 just really stinks. Everyone, I think anyone who's ever talked about USC for the past eight months has said that when they talk about USC. 
But guess what? OU's schedule stunk last year, right? I mean, the two tough games were at Oklahoma State and at Baylor. Let's remember, let's all remember who we're talking about here as head coach. Yes, it is true, it is accurate that USC plays a bad schedule this year. But USC could be a bad team in itself, and Lincoln continues to get a pass for the crap product that he threw out there last year, <laughs> had two losses, was a possession away from losing several more. Let's not all of a sudden act like we didn't we don't understand what we saw last year, okay? I don't have a lot of confidence, bad schedule or not, they're going to roll off a 10-2 and two this year. I think it's a 7-5 and five year for USC with a lot more close calls, just like it has been here recently at OU. Well, not buying it. One, one of the negative things, and I will grant you this, the expectations that have been heaped onto their shoulders, and some of it has been with the, the type of marketing that they've put out there, I mean, there's some big expectations, and a lot of people are expecting like a Lincoln Riley Oklahoma team to show up out there in Southern California, and that ain't going to be the case. Oklahoma State, really good defensively. Love their defensive line. Um, I'm interested to see like how that defense operates. You know, obviously there's a new defensive coordinator, but it sounds like they're keeping the same system as before, same verbiage. I mean, there'll be some some new twists and, and different things to it, but Malcolm Rodriguez, such a good player, such an experienced player. It was his defense. He, he got everything lined up. He was barking the commands, uh, all of the orders, you know, getting guys lined up. I think they'll be really good, but I think they're going to miss him in the middle. Good defense, not quite as good as last year. It's the best defense they've ever had. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be that good. Offensively, I expect the exact same from Spencer Sanders. That's what we've seen. I mean, it feels like this is year eight for him. It's been pretty much the exact same. Uh, whenever you can slow it down, manage the game, he's good for you. If you have to try and score points, he's going to turn the football over. That's what you're going to get from him. I do expect their running game and offensive line to be a little bit better. All in all, I think Oklahoma State's going to be really good, not quite as good as last year. Yeah, that's that's right where I'm at. I'd be shocked if they were to roll out a 5-7, and 6-6 six and six football team. I don't think they'll take that big of a step back, but I think when they go to Waco on October 1st and they go to Norman on November 19th, that's where you're going to see that there's a gap between you know those two programs in Oklahoma State. But everyone else, I, I think that they're going to match up very well with everyone else and potentially have a chance to win all those games. I see OSU probably as a 9-3 and football team, losing at Baylor, losing at Kansas State, and losing at OU. Yeah, their schedule is not as uh, welcoming as it was a year ago. No, I mean, it's they, they may have the toughest – conference schedule in the Big 12 this year at Baylor at TCU at Kansas State at OU um, mm. I don't know if there's another team in the conference that has that tough of a conference slate that's that's rough yeah tough A&M very very tough A&M super talented super athletic no quarterback nothing's changed yeah, they got like a 13-year-old boy playing uh, quarterback. And as we talked about off the air yesterday, not only does he look young and unathletic, he wears number 13. 
And if you want to look more athletic than what you really are, I think you need a different-looking jersey number than number 13. I don't know what it is about that number, but it just screams game manager or pocket passer to me. Am I wrong on that? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no. No, you're not wrong. And, hey, talent, you got to have talent. But in the conference and the schedule that they've got, talent's not good enough. And, you know, I know everyone's talking about this recruiting class, and they've got a ton of NIL stuff that they've thrown into that locker room. There's been a lot of talking, a lot of distraction going on through the offseason. I don't know. I I fear disaster uh, looming for Texas A&M. Mm, yeah. yeah, I love it when you say things like that. Last one, real quick, Alabama. Fantastic at quarterback. Uh best player in college football last year, maybe the best player in college football this year on, on the other side of the ball. I, some people think that Will Anderson's got a legitimate chance to win the Heisman Trophy. It's going to be incredibly difficult, but he he is unreal. They're stacked. They're experienced. Even though uh, Nick Saban says it's a rebuilding year, tons of talent. Offensive line is, is really, really good. And don't they have like a pretty favorable schedule as well? Yeah, they get to play Texas uh, week looked two. Looked at it, uh, Utah State and Texas. <laughs> soft, soft start to the schedule. Nice. Idle week two. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, no, I think Alab- someone is going to have to prove that they they can be Alabama this year, and I don't know who it's going to be. They're they're going to be a juggernaut. Shocker. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they're going right. to win the title uh, most likely. Unfortunately. You know, the crazy thing is you would typically say, like, hey, who knows? One game, anything can happen. The problem is they've been there so many times now to the playoff, to the championship. Like, everyone on the team is so experienced in those type of situations. Like, it's never – they're never going to be starstruck by being in that moment. And you think that maybe you'll get a distracted football team – showing up to the national championship the, the only time an something advantage. like that has happened to alabama that i can remember is the first time they were in it against ohio state and it's hard to even say that was the case because ohio state had zeke elliott in the backfield and a quarterback that was red hot at the time but that's like the yeah. best instance we have of what you're talking about yeah yeah no doubt all right uh quick timeout. more from the rush coming up couple of segments left final hour rolls on next There's Brent Venables at today's press conference when asked if there's one thing he feels like he can improve as a head coach, he says being patient. Well, that's all of us, Brent. <laughs> that's that's basically all of us. Uh, I, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can certainly relate to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I I don't know. I would say... I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a weakness. Yeah, I'm like, do I want my head coach to be super patient? Like, no, I want him to be super right. demanding and acting like everything needs to happen overnight. Yeah, sure. I, I guess there's 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 a time and a place. I, I guess there's – you don't want to have 
just an overwhelming amount of patience when dealing with your football team, right? And the development of players and the and the you know getting things right and adjusting to a new system, you know, getting bigger, faster, stronger. You don't want patience in those things, but as he talked about dealing with media, dealing with administration, dealing with fans, recruiting, right? Some of those things you do have to you do have to have some patience in dealing with that stuff. We talked earlier about what the overreaction Saturday night is going to be, and we really like approach that from the positive side of things, which, I mean, we think OU's going to win the game handily, so it's easy to, to do that. Text line, um, interact with us on this as well, 405-651-3439. Uh, fill in the blank. All be concerned on Saturday night if, and then there's a blank right after that, and you fill that part in. I'll be concerned Saturday night if, uh, like, are you talking about for the team or just for that game specifically, like losing that game? Yeah, no, no. I mean, let's be realistic here. Like, the team moving forward, you'll be, be you'll be concerned if this happens. I'll be concerned if, you know, I I, I even feel like I was gonna say. Dylan Gabriel has several turnovers, but I'm not going to pigeonhole him as a quarterback based off of one game that is loose with the football whenever I've got, you know, however many plays and games he's played previously that shows that he's not, right? So I I guess I wouldn't even be worried about that. Um how about this? I'd be I'll be worried if our kicker misses two field goals. Yeah, I mean that'll worry me too. Mine is I, I was looking at the running backs here. I will be um, concerned if like not if neither of those guys look special, but they're not like Eric Gray looks more of the same from last year. Like there, there's there's lanes that, yeah. to where he can run through. But he just can't break that last tackle and, and and bust out and get in the open field. I'll be concerned if the running backs look just okay on Saturday. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it would be nice to see. Gosh, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. I don't know if it ever happened in twenty twenty, and last year it took a long time before we had runs of over 30 yards, it would be nice if we saw multiple guys rip off runs of 40, 50, 60 yards, Dude, right? I mean, yeah, the 2020, it didn't happen. Their first 30-yard run didn't happen until the Oklahoma State game late in the year. So right. they, they've been missing yeah. the big play on offense. I love this. Uh, I'll be concerned if, text line says, we win 40-35, to 35. <laughs> just like last year. Uh, was that the score of the two-lane game? Yes, yes, it was. Um, I'll read a few here. Dylan Gabriel gets hurt. Injuries are my only concern for this whole season. Um, if we lose, I'll be concerned if Big Gout isn't impressed with OU's performance. That's from Mark in Newcastle. <laughs> Big Gout. I'll be concerned if OU looks like Nebraska did in their season opener. That's Kevin from Lincoln. Yeah. Rushing uh, average I'm less than three and a half said, attempt. Yes. Yeah. Shock someone didn't say be concerned if um, 
the internet in the stadium goes out and they can't purchase beers. Well, if that happens, we ain't doing a post-game show on Saturday night. I'll tell you that much. No? Post-game show is canceled if there's free beer and free hot dogs in the stadium. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. It'd be nice to see you get on there after a couple of pops. Then the overreactions. Oh, my gosh. You'll, it'll, it'll sound like OU won the – It'll sound like it's inevitable that OU is going to win the title. You've been doing a show with me long enough. You know exactly what that would sound like. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll be inevitable, and you will pick someone, I don't know who, you will declare them the best whatever position Tommy guy. Walker the, is the best running back yes. on the team, and it's really not debatable or close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he because he had three touchdowns in the in the uh, fourth quarter against UTEP. Yeah, uh, he's he's the best running back on the roster. Oh, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, anything else on the text line? Yeah, oh, about by fifty the way, more. But you got to get out of here and go pitch for a uh, little league game. So yeah. I'll let you do that. Hey, here. I, I before I go, I was handed a note from somebody in the know that says uh, offensive coordinator. Jeffrey Levy will be calling plays from the press box. Oh, did Jeff Levy himself text you, or was it someone else? No. Hmm. Nope. was not Jeff Levy. Well, so I, uh, I really appreciate that turnip seed for interacting with the show today. It was Good not stuff, turnip seed. This person is a former player at the University of Oklahoma. So there you go. Trey DiCarlo, thank you so much for letting us know where Jeff Levy will call plays. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We've got the final segment next. Stay tuned.